Welcome to T-Mobile. Can I help you? Doberman 1 to Doberman Home. I've breached. Assessing OPSEC now. Sir, can I help you? Yeah, actually, uh, what's your perimeter here? Perimeter? It's security. Your perimeter parameter. What? What is it? Is this is this glass bulletproof? I'm not. Is that is that phone line secure? I don't think that phone works. It's just display. Cameras. Is the is the feed from your camera stored offsite? You gotta know this stuff, bro. I actually never noticed those cameras. Is something wrong? What's going on, please? Zone is clear. Doberman home. We are clear for the ram. Does this T-Mobile branch have any experience serving, for instance, VIPs, foreign dignitaries, anything like that? Jeb Bush's wife came in here once. <sighs> yeah, that's that's going to have to be enough. Okay, listen to me, kid. In 15 seconds, Pitbull is going to walk through the door. Try to control yourself. What's Pitbull? Dolly! not working hard. Yeah, right, picture that. With a Kodak. The ram has landed. Repeat, the ram has landed. Prepare for extraction in about five minutes. Repeat, we are Oscar Mike in five, bro. Who are you people? Who are all these women? Dale. Yes, sir. Will do. Mr. Bull wants you to know that he heard that you said that you don't know who he is on the way in here. He also wants you to know he's a Grammy-winning recording artist. He is Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide, one of the top grossing musicians of the century. And if you live in Miami, it's frankly kind of a disgrace that you don't know who he is, bro. Dale. I'm sorry. I don't listen to Spanish music. I find it abrasive. What can I do to help you? Well, Mr. Bull recently has encountered some issues with parents from his charter school. He told them their kids would be attending a top-level academy focused on sports marketing. Instead, they're attending a failing school focused on sports marketing. And now, after a recent high-profile visit from one Kanye West and Tony Robbins, there's been a renewed focus on the school's performance. These parents won't stop calling his cell phone to complain, so we need to change his number. Dale? Dale, dale! Uh, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Bull. We're going to get it fixed. Why would kindergartners need to learn about sports marketing? Dale, dale, dale. Can we speed this up a little bit, please? Um, sure. Let me just look up your account. Okay, your number is officially changed. Should take about an hour to take effect, Mr. Bull. Your new number is area code 786-518-32. Look, outside of Miami, Mr. Bull is Mr. Worldwide. But here in Miami, he'll always be Mr. 305. Mr. 305 can't have a 786 area code. Dale. Then he wouldn't be Mr. 305. He'd be Mr. 786. I don't even think that makes sense, bro. I'm sorry, Mr. Bull, but we ran out of new 305 numbers a long time ago. All new numbers are 786 area codes. That's all there is in Miami. You're telling me that Pitbull, Mr. 305, Mr. Miami, has to become Mr. 786? I mean, I'm not saying he has to do anything. You're saying that. Unacceptable, bro. Wait, hang on here. I might just be a humble cell phone salesman, but what if... What if you committed to fixing the school? What if you told those parents you promised to come up with a real education plan for your school that involves more than just Kanye tweeting from it? Like, give the kids something more than sports marketing to learn. Or even, I don't know, maybe just maybe, what if you gave those parents their money back? Dale. Think about it. Charter schools have terrible reputations because, let's be honest, they're awful. Maybe you can prove that not every private school is run by some opportunistic grifter looking to make a quick buck off taxpayer money. Maybe you can be this generation's Jeffrey Canada and fulfill the promise of what charter schools once were. 
and come on. If not you, Mr. Bull, then who? <sighs> yeah, that's okay, bro. We're just going to change the number. We can get new business cards. Are you, are you ready? Wait, let me just look. I'm just gonna look at. I'm gonna just look really quick and see if it's worth even doing this show anymore. <laughs> I don't know what I'm Wait, gonna what, look at. What? What? I just it, have a what? Google a Google tab open, <laughs> trying to figure out like, how, is there a website that can tell me if I'm doing things wrong in my life? <laughs> Uh, you're like oh. the dog that you're like the dog that falls down the stairs and then explodes at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Q, and I'm Jewish Dave. And this is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. So subscribe, rate, review, do us a solid. Do that. Check out piecing it together. What's happening on piecing it together this week, Dave? Oh, we just did an interview with uh, Cody and Ryan LaBeouf, the directors of The Beast, an indie film that was made here in Las Vegas. And uh, Dope. we also have a new episode on Bad Times at the El Royale coming out this Friday. That looks like a good movie. Um, it's actually not Check out good. Piecing It Together, the other uh, crown jewel in my empire here at All Points West. Monica and Paula have one of their best episodes ever. They talk to a number of um, parents who are struggling to raise their children bilingual and um it's a really fun episode that is um different than a lot of the ones that they've done in the past email us at birdroad at allpointswest.net follow us on twitter follow us on instagram stop fucking messaging me on facebook we're not using facebook anymore we will never use facebook ever again are you, you yelling be, at me you should not be on facebook i could get rid of my facebook shit everything on my phone and in my life i could get rid of facebook if you weren't for some reason i, I don't care slavishly loyal to messenger and it's the only way that i can talk to you it's it's the easiest way to talk with the most people at once just give in give what's more, in what's more i'm pretty sure that there are other people that you that you allow to text with you instead of doing no messenger. i text through messenger i don't know the difference when i text somebody it's not, a thing. it's not a thing of course it's a thing it asks you as soon as you sign You're up not. do you want to text through messenger people complain about us doing too much florida shit dave are you talking to, are you talking about me no like i mean people like you're not uh, the only okay. one that complains us about us doing too much florida regional stuff and then we just did a uh, an entire skit about a shitty rapper <laughs> And um, who's a fucking joke, basically. Outside of Florida. You know, he, he is outside um, of Miami. He is my mom's favorite artist. So she loves him. Shut up. Him and <laughs> totally, Tupac. Totally true. Dale. I don't have dale. the good Dale. I'm actually going to have to make this her listen guy to this is... episode for that one intro skit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be doing things a little bit differently this episode um we've got a guest coming up unfortunately you weren't able to sit in again for our guest mm -hmm. um so i don't know how you feel about that i feel crestfallen 
Well, I I would have loved to talk to our guest, but you know, things happen. But I but I don't care. <laughs> That's another way of putting it. <laughs> You're like a Jewish Dave interpreter. <laughs> So we're doing things a little bit differently on Bird Road uh, this week and for the next couple of weeks in between now and November 6th. The question that a lot of people usually have when they go to the ballot box is Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. It's become a pretty redundant question. First of all, you've probably landed on one side or the other. Uh, If you are a voter, if you're a non-voter, then you're the person that needs to be engaged. Mostly it's a lot of distasteful choices between lessers of two evils, Um, but the the greater of the evil tends to be like a hundred percent on one side. So since there's literally no Republicans to consider voting for, uh, we're going to go through and look at all the ballot initiatives, the questions, the amendments and et cetera, all the uh, things that are worth diving into because they're very purposefully obscured and badly worded. And we're going to do it staying true to ourselves in our purple States, Florida, Nevada. We're going to go to Ohio. We're going to talk to experts in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, all of them. And we're kicking it off in the silver state with the first of our all-star lineup of guests. Um, Many of these amendments are just truly reprehensible. Uh, There's a reason for that. Uh, We want to hammer home to all of our listeners that usually it requires a lot of money to get an amendment on a ballot in a state, especially a a pretty big-sized purple state like Nevada or Florida. Um, Solid rule that we're going to be doing a lot throughout this series, looking at the financing, seeing what groups are supporting, what groups are ponying up cash. That's a little bit of context that you don't usually hear. So without any further ado, we're going to kick off the Bird Road Purple State Amendment throwdown. What the fuck does this shit mean? Nevada edition. We're joined by our our two-time guest now, Ruben De Silva. Ruben is a former candidate for Nevada's first congressional district. Uh, he's a Marine who earned a Purple Heart when he was shot in Iraq. Um, he's a leading progressive voice in Southern Nevada. He's a high school teacher, and he's someone who knows a lot more about these issues than we do. <laughs> Ruben, welcome back to Bird Road. Uh, thank you for having me, Q. Thank you so much, uh, or David, I should say. You know, we no, go by Q, the colloquial Q. Is it? Q, Q is it? No, <laughs> yeah, we got Jewish Q and Jewish Dave, and uh, you know, the, we don't want to confuse people because our our listeners aren't you know the brightest bulbs in the batch. We don't want to get them too confused. <laughs> um, so and thank you for so graciously uh, you know considering me an expert. You know, on these <laughs> on these ballot initiatives, they 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 tend to be very, especially uh, there's there's two in particular that are very uh, difficult to get our minds around. But uh, we should have a good uh, conversation about these uh these ballot questions here. But I'm coming at you as a purview, as a teacher, an educator, and as a uh, as a progressive here in Nevada. Right. Yeah, and that's why we got you on, man. You you knew so much stuff when we talked to you the first time that like you were this is this is right up your alley. This is child's play, literally playing with children like me and Jewish Dave. All right, so just really quick, listeners in Nevada, election day is November sixth. Early voting has started. Uh, October in 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 Nevada, early voting has started mm-hmm. October twentieth. Yep. It's running started, through November second. Yep. So let's jump into the first question, which is sort of a, uh, for for those of you who are going to be listening to us throughout these next five, uh, counting this one, six shows, you're going to hear this one come up a lot. 
because it is being backed on a national level. This is the uh, question number one in Nevada is Marcy's Law Crime Victim Rights Am Amendment of 2018. The question is basically um, uh, a yes vote supports this measure to add specific rights to crime victims together known as Marcy's Law to the Nevada Constitution. A no vote opposes the measure. Uh, it's got $8.6 million in support, mostly from GOP senators, specifically Gover uh, Gover uh, Governor Sandoval and potentially future Gov Governor Laxalt. Um, the opposition has, has not put any registered funding towards opposing question one, and um, it is in the the ACLU is the group that's opposing this uh, mm -hmm. th this question. Ruben, talk to us about what Marcy's Law is and how it would play out on a criminal justice perspective there in, in, in Nevada. Well, uh, Marcy's Law is actually a... Uh a ballot initiative now that's going to codify in our constitution a uh, a series of uh, rights uh, for uh, for victims. Again, uh, this this goes on, this goes from notifying victims of uh, uh, court proceedings, of uh, post uh, uh, court hearings, things of that nature. Uh, and uh, again, the uh, the real uh, uh, focus is on uh, notifying victims uh, of the actual. Uh, uh, the proceedings of, uh, of 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 a whole slew of different issues, uh, criminal trials, uh, proceedings, uh, the whereabouts of uh, of folks who have uh, committed crimes, so on and so forth. Uh, so that's really what it uh, boils down to. It, it it's going to put all of this into the uh, the uh, constitution. And a, a little bit of history be, uh, about uh, Marcy's Law. Now it was this is a, usually you know you have ballot initiatives that are uh, you know you had thousands and or, or maybe dozens of people going out there collecting signatures to get a a a, a amendment uh, to be voted upon uh, as a, as a ballot uh, question. But this was actually done through the state house itself. There were uh, in, in fifteen and seventeen uh, this uh, this was brought up as a Nevada legislative. Uh, uh, in, in, in the state house and pa passed both times. So now it's going to be up to the voters to decide whether or not they want to codify uh, this this law and put it into the Nevada Constitution. So when you see a, sort of a lopsided campaign like this, something that's mm -hmm. gotten eight million dollars of support and um, has some very mm -hmm. high profile people making doing national ad spots for it, uh, is there a mm -hmm. concern as a progressive that this is a, a law that could, um, you know, in, it, it, I know that there's a lot of permutations of this law. Some of them are, mm -hmm. as you talked about, more about um, informing victims and giving them information yeah. about about the the people who committed crimes against them. And then other ones become a little more carceral and very punitive. Uh, on yes, that scale, yes. is is this is this one that's more carceral? This particular question, the way it's worded, it's more carceral, punitive putting people behind bars, keeping people behind bars in a country where, frankly, there's way too many people behind bars? Or is this more towards a, like the administrative side of the scale? I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm wary of question one. Uh, I think that it, it, it's overkill in, in many ways. Uh, the, the, the rights that are granted to the, uh, the, the victim are already uh, granted uh, by the state of uh, Nevada statutes. So you are entitled to these rights, the right to, uh, again, uh, be notified, of, uh, of 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 court proceedings uh, to be uh, to understand what the process is uh, to know the whereabouts say of the of the perpetrator uh, and the person who's then convicted. So uh, it it does uh, it is overkill. Uh, I think in a tremendous way. My real problem uh, with question one is how it uh, overburdens an already overburdened criminal justice system here in the state. We know it's going to cost millions right. and millions of dollars 
to actually implement uh, the, the the rights that are granted uh, to uh, by question one, uh, sending out uh, uh, letters in the old 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 fashioned a snail mail. It's going to have to be that way, especially if it's a, a legal documents that are, that are going to be at, uh, at at play here that are going to be at heart. Uh, and I think that there are uh, plenty of other ways that we can spend that money within our criminal justice system. One thing we know is the fact that, and I was just having a conversation with the local public defender about this, is just how overburdened they are with cases. One, uh, and they usually tend to be young, fresh out of law school. They're not making too much. Uh, they have uh, young families. Uh, but on the same token, they they have uh, a, a just a crap ton of cases they have to deal with, uh, 80, 90, 100 at a time. So uh, they're overburdened, and I think uh, you know these these folks who the public defenders are defending are the most marginalized in our community, poor people who can't afford lawyers. And uh, over, uh, you know, uh, we also know that you know uh, that there's a, a large presence of black and brown bodies that are in our criminal justice system who are who are being represented by these uh, these public defenders. So I think that's a place where we can actually spend uh, the monies that could be uh, and they could be utilized in a much uh, better fashion, a more just fashion in in that specific arena. I think a question one. Is is overkill, uh, big time. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I I tend to agree based on what I know about it and based on what I've heard, and also based on what I know about, as you say, the criminal justice system. It's overburdened, overtaxed. There's already one mm -hmm. inherent incentive as a result of that to get everybody to plead to something, and it's mm -hmm. shocking. Uh, you know, you we we pretend that we're shocked when we find out that you know one out of three uh, black males in this country have been in, in the system in some way, shape or form. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Because as mm -hmm. they, they, they are never given a, uh, an earnest chance to defend themselves. Every single mm -hmm. one of these public defenders, as you say, points them in the direction because mm -hmm. that's the way the ecosystem works. And it, it's a perverse set of incentives that make it that way. And then on the mm -hmm. other side, in the, in the correctional side of things, the further privatization of prisons over mm -hmm. the course of the last 20 years uh, where these for-profit prisons, these private prisons that um, are, incent again, incentivized to have more people filling up their beds. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, it's this is one of those things where I'm glad that we started with this one because it's, it's a perfect example of what we talk about when we say that it's sort of flowery language obscuring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know something that's that's uh, far more sinister underneath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say there was an issue with the the, the actual wording of the uh, of how it's been marketed to in Florida when this same uh, uh, law was uh, on the ballot there. A judge briefly removed it for a while because he uh, because there was this uh, uh, problem with uh, how misleading the uh, the, the law was. Uh, knowing also in, in in Florida as well that these laws are already uh, in place in state statutes, so this is like a duplicatory measure really. And uh, uh, for a time. Uh, uh, there was a judge again who saw the problem here and how this is being marketed, saying that there aren't any rights for victims when we when victims do have rights that are in state statutes. And this again to me is overkill. Question two, I think is going to be an easier one. It's, uh, it's question two is sales tax exemption for feminine hygiene products measure of 2018. Nevada question two, the sales tax exemption for feminine hygiene products measure is on the ballot in Nevada as a legislatively referred state statute uh, on November 6. Yes supports this measure to exempt feminine hygiene products from state and local sales tax no says not to do that there has not been any money supported either way uh, uh, committed either way on this um on, on this particular ballot question uh, those in support uh, along with our revolution um the progressive organization that most of our mm -hmm. listeners are familiar with uh, a, a lot of um democrat uh democratic women state senators female state senators 
Um, I mean, if you know a woman, if you love a woman, if you are a woman, if there's a woman who's your mom and has to deal with what's the the quote unquote pink tax, which is a real thing. I mean, this mm-hmm. seems like a pretty no-brainer. Is there something under the surface that I'm not seeing, Ruben? No, I think that this is a, a great measure. Uh, is what it's going to do here is uh, remove taxes on sanitary napkins and tampons. And uh, I know, and you know, having I'm, I'm not married, you know, I haven't had a wife or anything like that, but I do have a sister, I do have a mom, I I, uh, I have plenty of uh, you know women who tell me that this is a a, a, a thing. You spend so much of your you know, money on uh, these 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 products, and you know, we, they're also classified as uh, as as medical products, and we know that they are. Uh, we can talk about this in question five as well here. You know, uh, uh, tax exemptions for things that are for a medicinal purpose, and uh, again, uh, it, this is going to be a great thing. Uh, you know, for the, the the common folks, you know, removing that that tax on feminine hygiene products is a, is a, is a no brainer to me. We have to, you know, support our women, and this is a great way of showing some uh, economic progress uh, for for our, uh, our our women here. I know that uh, that you know, I, I think every single woman who I've talked to, men of course as well, have said that they're going to be voting yes on a uh, on question on question two, and I, I think this is going to be an overwhelming passage uh, uh, for for this measure. It's crazy. There's, uh, I mean, I've seen reports before where the exact same products that get uh, mm-hmm. that get machined and produced and created uh, the same way from the same facilities. Uh, one of mm-hmm. them has pink dye put into it, like a nail file, for instance, and the mm-hmm. other one is just I don't know cobalt or silver or something. And mm-hmm. the only difference is the color, and it'll be forty yeah. percent higher. Now this this doesn't address that though. That's more marketing decisions that happen mm-hmm. at the corporate level with a lot of these manufacturers but this is a really good start i think oh yeah yeah i know, I know that there's another stat out there too that uh, that highlights the fact that for every two dollars that a man spends on uh toiletries uh women spend three to four so this is right. again a way of uh helping to mitigate that 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 uh that uh that spending gap on basic necessities question three changes to energy market and prohi- and prohibit state sanctioned Electric Generation Monopolies Amendment of 2018, a vote yes here, uh, will require the state legislature to pass laws to establish an, quote, open competitive retail electric energy market, end quote, prohibit the state from granting electrical generation monopolies and protect against service disconnections and unfair practices, and -hmm. declare that persons, businesses, and political subdivisions Political mm-hmm. subdivisions is a great word. <laughs> that should be the name of a band. Have a right to choose the provider of its electric uh, utility service and cannot be forced to purchase electricity from one provider. Uh, mm-hmm. No vote requires uh, the legislature to pass laws to establish an open. Uh, it, it does the opposite of that. It just basically, I think, keeps the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's in plain spoken language. It would just keep Nevada Energy um, in in the driver's seat with mm-hmm. sort of a. A monopoly on this market. Yeah, this is the big question. This is the big one. This is the one yeah, that's going to define one. a lot. Supporters mm-hmm. include everybody. I mean, a huge amount of supporters here. Anybody who has business interests mm-hmm. um, in, in in this in the state, apart from the you know Nevada Energy uh, Utility, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and some of the big names that jump out to you on the list of many many people supporting this. Um, mm-hmm. The governor, um, lieutenant governor. Uh, I'm sorry, the I'm sorry, not the governor, uh, Adam Laxalt, who's the gubernatorial candidate, as well as his lieutenant and mm-hmm. uh, a candidate, Republican candidate for attorney general, Wes Duncan, uh, mm-hmm. former uh, former U.S. Senator Harry Reid, 
um, organizations and businesses like Nevada Resort Association, Las Vegas Urban League, um, the MGM, Las Vegas Sands. I mean, this is a murderer's row of of huge corporations that are lining up to 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 support this bill. On the opponent side, uh, other the counterpart for Laxalt, uh, Steve Sizalak, his um, gubernatorial opponent. Uh, control, uh, controller Ron Knecht, um, Dina Titus, who we all know, uh, and uh, just a lot of organizations, AARP, Las Vegas uh, Chamber of Commerce, Nevada mm-hmm. Farm Bureau. I'm just trying to highlight some of the bigger organizations. And mm-hmm. as you say, this a lot of the workers' unions, a lot of the culinary unions uh, mm-hmm. have lined up against us. And as you say, Ruben, this is the big question. Um, those who are in support have raised about $20 million. Those opposing have raised about $12 million. This is mm-hmm. a high-dollar amount uh, question. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, this is a very complicated uh, question. And, you know, I have people on both sides who I respect, you know, uh, like like you said, former U.S. Senator Harry Reid, Kazan Cortez Mastos are supporting this. Uh, but then, I, you know, then you have groups like the Sierra Club, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, the Latin Chamber of Commerce, uh, important community organizations that are on both sides of this uh, this topic. My my union, the teachers union, actually came out in, in, in uh, the, the Clark County Teachers Union, came out in support of question uh, three this very, very recently. So, uh, you know, it's, it's even even, uh, you know, I, I, I know our revolution is going to be having a debate They're in, They haven't uh, taken a stance on this on this uh, topic either. Uh, on the 29th, I believe they're, they're going to be hosting a, a debate for the membership uh, on this uh, on this question. And uh, it's such a complicated one. Even I'm very undecided. You know, I'm, this is the one one thing on my ballot that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm teetering. I don't know which way to go. Uh, I was hoping that there was going to be some good analysis uh, that would lean uh, me one way or another coming from the Gwynn Policy Research Center. I think they do a good job of actually analyzing the data. And what they said was uh, it's, it's just uncertain. If, uh, a, a, as you already mentioned, a no vote uh, is going to keep everything the way that it is. It's going to uh, uh, keep uh, uh, Nevada Energy in, in a, uh, in a uh, monopoly position over uh, our, our energy usage here in the state. Uh, but a yes vote it makes puts puts makes brings some uncertainty into play. It could be a good thing. It could, in in fact, uh, uh, break up the mono- uh, the the monopoly, allow for a more competitive uh, market to drive energy costs lower, uh, i.e., Nevada learning from the mistakes of California. But on the same token, uh, there's also a a, a rampant, uh, I think, a uh, real uh, opportunity for for problems to occur that could actually heighten. Uh, you know, our, our prices or also cause those rolling blackouts or brownouts that we're calling them in California uh, to occur. Uh, but uh, again, uh, even the, uh, the the Gwynn Center is uh, very uncertain. They said it could be a great boon to the state or it could be something that's detrimental. Uh, but what we know is that if a, a no vote would keep everything in place, we have seen Nevada Energy become a little bit more uh, open to having conversations with uh, outside energy uh, uh users you know being a more being more friendly towards uh a solar in particular uh, because of this because i mean there is a a, situ- a chance now that it, that the monopoly could be broken and that uh that nevada energy would no longer be in in the driver's seat for our energy uh, market here in, in in nevada on the other hand uh, uh, uh there is a lot of uh, data out there saying that uh, in in 2018 a, a deregulated market could indeed bring prices down for the average uh, consumer 
and it would give uh, uh, folks an option here in the state. Like Texas is a good a good example of this. They have a, a portal where uh, the residents of Texas can actually go out and uh, and and choose a provider for them. And uh, rates have been uh, brought down uh, uh, over the course of uh, the years that this has been implemented in Texas. Uh, but on the same token, there is that uh, that, that issue: who's going to control the power grid? Is it going to create uh, jobs? Is is, is it, are these jobs going to be long-standing jobs? Are they only going to be for a specific uh, amount of uh, time? I know there was an interview I saw with uh, somebody who was very uh, uh, who was against this measure, saying that there would be an increase in jobs, but that would be temporary to, to build uh, some of the the power grid that's going to be necessary for a, a deregulated market. But then those jobs are going to just uh, be replaced by uh, computers or something else that actually manages. The, the grid. So there's a lot of uh, 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 issues at play over here. Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, pretty concerned about the fact that this is going to be a constitutional amendment. So say we do pass the bill, and it turns out uh, to be very problematic. It's going to take uh, at least four years for us to uh, to take it off the Constitution to uh, to repeal uh, Question Three. So that's also something we have to consider. Uh, that if if uh, if we do uh, vote yes, the state wants to deregulate uh, the, the market, and it does end up uh, as a detriment, then it's going to be very difficult to uh, to take out or repeal this bill, you know, and I'm also uh, questioning the fact that, you know, this, this should have been something that should have been uh, done in, at the legislative level, uh, as opposed to uh, codifying uh, this sort of a very complex piece of legislation. It's very vague, too. In, 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 yeah, this in, is in, a strange thing to have on a uh, on on a ballot. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's so complicated. Not to like denigrate voters, but this is like I mm-hmm. mean, you need to be uh, kind of yeah. like part expert in securities, part expert in energies, yeah. part expert in markets to like mm-hmm. understand the real implications of this. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's it's it is problematic. I've spoken to many uh you know local municipal level uh, government officials, you know, city councilmen. Uh, folks who work in the energy departments for the county, for this, for the county, for the uh, city of North Las Vegas, the city of Las Vegas, so on and so forth. And I did find one interesting thing, and uh, many of them seem to be uh, hoping for a, a deregulated market simply because uh, they they just uh, they know that it would weaken Nevada Energy. Nevada Energy, energy you know, is a power player. Uh, it's, it's hugely influential here in the state. Uh, has one of the most uh, powerful uh, lobbying bodies uh, in in Nevada. And uh, they 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 throw their weight around, so that may just be not a policy uh, a standpoint that they're coming from, but just from uh, a uh, more of a a uh, influencing standpoint. You see what I'm saying? Uh, the ability for them to stand up maybe and push back against a more weakened Nevada energy, as opposed to uh, uh, the the, uh, the energy monopoly that they have uh, over the entire state. So. Uh, it's 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 very interesting. These are progressives who I respect. You know who are going to be who are right. going to be supporting the measure. Question four is mm-hmm. medical equipment sales tax exemption amendment of 2018. Nevada mm-hmm. question four uh, a yes vote here supports this amendment to require the state legislature to exempt from sales and use tax uh, mm-hmm. durable medical equipment, oxygen delivery equipment, and mobility enhancing equipment. Prescribed mm-hmm. for human use by a licensed healthcare provider. A no mm-hmm. vote opposes the amendment. Um, so, who's in support? Uh, yes on four is a group that is uh, is is coming out big in support of this amendment. Um, they're also known as the Alliance to Stop Taxes mm-hmm. on the Sick and Dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, they led this support. Uh, they led a campaign for this in 2016. Um, other supporters include the Elko City Council, 
Um, their argument is that uh, that sorry the 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 opposition uh, includes state controller Ron Connect. Um, the argument that he made is that while this amendment is a good idea, he did not support inserting the amendment into the state constitution. He actually has a quote here saying, while this may be a good idea, it raises many concerns in context of the various things the state does and does not tax. But even if one concludes as a matter of sound tax policy that these items should be tax exempt, the legislature already has the power to exempt them now. Once again, enshrining these provisions in the constitution would prevent timely reform of any parts of the proposal that may be found to merit change or repeal later. Um, so there hasn't been any money put behind this this initiative. Uh, it, it, what's the story behind this one, Ruben? When you, when you look at the actual uh, budgeting impact, the the, the impact on the, on the state budget, uh, so on and so forth, the fiscal impact, uh, it, it is it is negligible. I think there is a, there is a, a, a sound constitutional debate you can make over here if these sort of uh, measures should be actually codified in the state constitution. These taxes on very specific you know, uh, items, you know, th this happens all the time with ballot initiatives. But if you ask me particularly, I think this is a, this is a good thing. I think that there are certain basic needs. Uh, uh, medical equipment is, is one of them. Wheelchairs are going to be affected by this. That should be tax exempt. Uh, again, yes, the state house does have a, uh, the ability to actually enact, uh, this measure, but this is a very simple one. It's, it's very straightforward. And I think it'll be a, a great, uh, benefit, uh, to folks again, uh, who are from the more marginalized elements of society, poor people who don't have to pay a, uh, a tax now on on a wheelchair. You know that maybe a, a wheelchair that costs uh, four hundred bucks, you may be saving thirty forty dollars on that, but that's an extra thirty forty dollars that can go towards groceries for two weeks. You know, I know I, I myself right. in in college, I know forty dollars would have lasted me <laughs> a whole month when it came to groceries. <laughs> that's so, a lot of ramen. Uh, it's a lot of ramen, yeah, <laughs> a lot of cup soups. <laughs> but uh, again, th th that's the lens that I'm looking at this this measure through. Uh, the, uh, the the actual fiscal impact. There was a study that came out in 2015 that said that this would probably cost the state in terms of the amount of money that was brought in from uh, revenue, uh, four million dollars over over a ten year period. So uh, there's there are some out there arguing and saying that uh, that this could actually take away money. Uh, state revenue that could be utilized for, you know, fire departments and schools and uh, things of that nature. But I think the uh, the fiscal impact is is minimal, and it actually helps. That can't um, be huge. I mean, can't that can't be, be a huge yeah. slice of the pie. I mean, yeah, it's it's it, the yeah. again the, the study I saw said uh, from a few years back, 2015, uh, said that the impact would have been about four million dollars over over ten years. But it, it's a, it's a, it's a much more I think a, a boon to those folks again who are saving that extra 40 or $50 on a wheelchair purchase. Question five is automatic voter registration. Oh, and yeah. this is kind of a slam dunk. Automatic voter registration with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Now, first of all, if you're out there and you're not from Nevada and you never had to deal with the Nevada DMV, the <laughs> only the only public uh, organization in the country that was actually affected by Y2K, that mm -hmm. actually had its, <laughs> and not just affected, their computers went down for two years. So whatever, I'll, I'll leave my gripes <laughs> with the Nevada DMV at the we door. We all got them, this man. Is, we all got I, them. <laughs> so um, in support of this bill, uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's automatically registering uh, people to vote when they visit the DMV and uh, do certain functions, um, like you know, sign, like renew their driver's licenses or get new driver's licenses if they're over the age of 18. Um, mm -hmm. Support the Nevada Election Administration Committee. Who could be against this? It seems like nobody would be against this except for maybe, maybe a state leader of a party 
mm-hmm. that knows that they continue to hold every chamber of power federally, locally, and on the state level, despite mm-hmm. year after year their mm-hmm. party earning mm-hmm. fewer votes. So who could possibly Governor Brian Sandoval, Republican, is mm-hmm. the lone voice in opposition of this bill. Um, support. This is not a huge amount of money. But $371,000 has been put towards campaigning towards for this bill. There hasn't been any reported um, reported money put uh, towards, you know, opposing the bill. Um, okay. I, I mean, this is a pretty cut and dry one, right, Ruben? Yeah, this is straight up. I mean, and this is the sort of... Uh, Issue that should actually be in place in the in the uh, in the Nevada Constitution. This is dealing with a very important right, voting rights and access to voting. And uh, you and I know this uh, that uh, that oftentimes one of the most difficult things when it comes to actually turning out voters uh, in an election is making sure that they're registered in the first place. So you have this yeah. extensive, extensive field effort simply to get out and uh, get folks registered to vote. What this does right here is is it it it, it would eliminate that process not totally, but it would uh, it would make it a lot easier because you, now you have folks who are already going to be on the ballots, who are going to be uh, registered to vote when they go and uh, uh, get their services from the DMV. And an interesting thing about this law here, specifically here in Nevada, is the fact that it's it's a, it's an opt out uh, uh, deal. So meaning that you're automatically registered as soon as you get your driver's license. And uh, you'd have to phys- you'd have to literally tell the person there who's uh, who's you know doing your your uh, your your paperwork or handling your services right. at the DMV. The DMV employee out. in and, front of you, you would have to actually yeah. tell them, "I don't want to vote. I don't want to re-register to vote." So right. uh, we know that this is actually going to uh, then uh, uh, allow for a much broader swath of the population to be uh, elected. I'm sorry, to be uh, registered to vote, so they can go out there and and and, and elect. Uh, folks are going to be more representative of them. And yes, uh, you see all the opposition coming from one party, uh, the Republicans. Let's just be honest with you. This was this the, uh, the, the Nevada legislature actually passed this uh, as a bill, and it was vetoed by uh, uh, Governor Sandoval. I think Governor Sandoval, he's done a great job. He's been pretty straight, you know, straightforward in the issues. But again, uh, this was, uh, I think, the Republican Party pressing, pressure, putting pressure on him, knowing that this would uh, be something that would uh, allow for greater amounts of uh, Democrats to be registered to vote and for them to come out and uh, and uh, and support uh, candidates who are progressive uh, initiatives that are progressive judges, so on and so forth. So in the end, it's all about expanding the amount of people who are participating in our elections. And this is a slam dunk, as you said. Uh, this is going to allow more people, uh, uh, give them the uh, the ability to participate in our elections. I've come across dozens, literally dozens of people who are uh, turned away at the polls simply because they weren't registered. I had a good friend of mine uh, put on her Instagram two days ago that she went uh, to vote. She registered uh, years back uh, and uh, thought that because she was registered in a different state that that, uh, audit, that that there's some sort of national registry now that transfers your voting information mm-hmm. to different states. Uh, but, and it was, and it was uh, really disheartened to find out that she wasn't registered to vote in the state of Nevada. Though she has a Nevada driver's license, she's been living in Nevada for uh, for several years now. Uh, she found out that she wasn't able to. That this th- that uh, situation would have been mitigated, it would have been solved, really, if this uh, measure was in place, uh, uh, you know, already. When she went to get her uh, Nevada driver's license, she would have been asked the question: Would you want to be registered to vote in the state of Nevada? Uh, do you do you want to do you want to opt out? And she would probably have said, "No, I want to remain registered," and she would have been able to uh, cast a vote in this. Uh, in this election and her voting privileges, her voting right would have been protected. So again, this is a slam dunk uh, 
initiative over here. There's, there's no real, I, I don't see an argument against it unless you're trying to suppress voters and the, and the right of uh, Americans uh, to, uh, to, to participate at the, at the, uh, Ruben, at the who ballot. would do that? I can't think yeah, of a single person or party <laughs> or entire group, entire yeah. political organization that would mm-hmm. devote enormous amounts of uh, energy and take their brainchild of that uh, effort and have him run for governor in Atl- in Georgia right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any organization that would do that. Yeah, this is this is a slam dunk. This is this is progress. Yeah. Uh, this these are the sort of rights that we should be fighting for uh, vehemently with all our energy. This is what allows more people to participate in our democratic process. Yeah, I mean, I look at I look at Nevada and it, you have to you have to look at the, these things kind of through the lens of the people who are really up there at the top. And, um, you know, you see a state that for a long time was uh, one of the fastest growing states in, in the mm-hmm. in the union and one that for the last three presidential cycles, even through the very tough 2016 presidential cycle, has gone blue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a you know, leader in the Republican Party, that you open the floodgates for, um, you know, increased participation in the democracy and when you increase participation in the democracy, that calculus only works one way. It mm-hmm. only ends up benefiting Democrats. There's there's a reason that Republicans, by practice, engage mm-hmm. in voter suppression. It's because mm-hmm. it works for them. It's the it's the nature of that beast. So, I mean, that's really all you have to know about this one. Yeah, very true. Even within the Republican Party, uh, you see that uh, younger folks, uh, there's a divide there. They may be a little bit more fiscally conservative, but tend to be sometimes socially liberal. And that also is a problem for many of the leadership. I think in the in the Republican Party, uh, if you see Republicans voting on a ballot initiative that may support Democrats, uh, you know the classic example of this is uh, marijuana legalization. You know, you know, we we know we had plenty of uh, you know Republicans who were voting socially liberal on, on on that topic. So again, I think there's great benefit for anybody who's progressive uh, for the progressive uh, movement at large uh, by expanding the the. Uh, the, the voter base by passing this initiative. Question number six is our last question. It's Renewable Energy Standards Initiative of 2018. A yes vote here supports this initiative to require electric utilities to acquire 50% of their electricity from renewable resources by 2030. A no vote opposes this initiative um, and uh, thus keeping the existing requirements that electric utilities acquire 25% of the uh, electricity from renewable resources by 2025, a far less obviously mm-hmm. aggressive goal. Um, mm-hmm. The supporters here include uh, uh, our old friend Dina Titus, um, mm-hmm. Nevada, the Nevada Conservation League, Chispa Nevada. I could just go through a whole bunch of these yeah. sort of grassroots organizations. Um, Battleborn Progress, uh, Sierra Club, Our Revolution, and of course the uh, billionaire um, progressive and liberal uh, financier. Uh, Tom Steyer. And in opposition, we have um, state controller Ron Connect, um, so Senator, state Senator Don Gustafson, Jim Wheeler, who is a, a, a state congressman, and uh, former uh, Senator Bob Beers. Um, the support behind this has been, has, has gotten about $2.05 million. And so far, there hasn't been any money registered in opposition. Um, now this obviously an important context for any kind of, uh, renewable energy standards initiatives that pop up during the course of this election year and future election years is a lot of the 
renewed focus on the media cycles. Obviously, in our most recent episode, listeners remember that we had Alex um, Alex Harris from the Miami Herald, climate change reporter, on talking about a lot of developments and obviously the United Nations report that um, actually managed to break the trend of people ignoring climate change news mm-hmm. and capture people's attention for a moment. Um, a lot of very aggressive goals were set out there, goals that the, the scientists within the body of the work admitted were very unlikely um, that for political reasons and just for economic reasons for him, for the fact that as a species, it's hard for us to all get together and do something that's good for us. Um, so question six is focused, obviously laser beam on Nevada. Uh, what's, what's going on with this one, Ruben? I think this is a great thing for Nevada. You know, I'm a big uh, proponent of this, uh, this, this, uh, this initiative. It, it is aggressive. You know, we need to make sure that right now, the uh, as you mentioned, the, uh, the 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 portfolio is, is set at twenty percent. We need to make you know, uh, uh, energy uh, 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 entities are are to uh, make sure that they get about twenty five percent of their resources from uh, renewable re- sources. Uh, this is going to actually uh, push that to fifty percent uh, by the year twenty thirty, and hopefully uh, then we can even push for towards seventy percent, eighty percent. Nevada is the perfect state for this. I mean, we have as as you know. Uh, uh, plenty of sunshine in this state. They say it's it's the most after Arizona, and uh, we should be uh, being we should be the leaders on the on these sort of initiatives. And I know you're down there in Miami, and uh, <laughs> you also would benefit from this uh, this this initiative. You know, because I hear it. I mean, uh, you, as you, as you, as you've mentioned, there's uh, there's uh, you know, you ask any marine biologist out there, any geologist, any geographer, there's some ser- serious consideration here that Miami is going to be underwater by the end of the. Uh, the century you know uh well, that, we know yeah that, that, it's, that fabulous coastline those of us gonna... who a lot of us know and some of us are well the overwhelming majority of us are ignoring it but it's mm-hmm. it's not stopping it from happening it's very true you know uh so we have to do all that we can to actually uh to, to minimize the effects of, of climate change and uh, there was a very interesting article uh, that came out in it was either the new yorker or washington post that that said that we only have about maybe 10 to 15 years to really addresses uh, 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 this this uh, this situation climate change and to uh, work aggressively to minimize the human effects on our on our climate and uh, it's a very short period of time and uh, th- these sort of measures uh, are going to help towards uh, again minimizing the uh, the actual effects that we human beings are having on, on our planet our weather patterns are being influenced by uh, as crazy as it sounds you know uh, you know, uh, man-made uh, policies that are affecting our uh, our, our our global uh, weather patterns. You know, you see a storms, uh, the quote-unquote storm of a, a storm of the century every three, four, five years now. You know, so again, we have to do all that we can to uh, to minimize uh, our effects on the climate. And if these uh, these uh, the folks, the good folks that either they was at the New Yorker or the Washington Post are correct, we have a very short period of time to actually make this happen before we actually. Uh, uh, fall into that abyss and uh, destiny will no longer be in our control but it will be in the hands of uh, 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 forces that are out of our control that are going to have a negative impact on, on, on our on our climate on our uh, uh, human civilization and definitely on the city of Miami well I love that the state of Nevada finished this thing off on such a high note um, <laughs> uh, yeah so that's the last of our that's the last of, of the amendments and you got off easy man let me tell you tomorrow uh, for our listeners you should know that we're going to be focusing on Florida 
Um, and we're going to have uh, our, our friend of the show, Billy Corbin, the uh, director of Cocaine Cowboys, director of The U, um, director of, uh, of uh, what else? His, his new documentary, Screwball. He's going to be on tomorrow to talk about 15 Florida initiatives oh, that are on the ballot and, and all of them even more tightly badly worded than the ones that we just went over um, with enormous amounts of money behind all of them. Uh, the yeah. overwhelming majority of them. So, but yeah. at least today, if we live in Nevada, we have a little bit better understanding of what's going on with these six with these six questions. Thanks to you, Ruben. Really appreciate it. What do you have going on? Is there anything uh, that you want to that you want to talk about? Anything you want to plug? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I'm actually you know a, a young millennial trying to be active in politics, and I'm, I'm involved <laughs> with uh, two groups right now. One, the uh, the Las Vegas Urban League Young Professionals. Uh, it's a it's an organization now that seeks to politically and economically empower Black and Brown. Uh, uh, young people between the ages of uh, 21 and 40. We're going to be hosting a mixer tomorrow, actually, at uh, at uh, the garage uh, bar. That's bar Wednesday. Lounge. That's today, That's actually. Wednesday. If you're hearing this podcast, it's t- it's today. That that is true. Yeah, <laughs> it's eight o'clock out here, <laughs> uh, West Coast time. But uh, we're going to be uh, supporting it's uh, the bar. It's 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 actually a great uh, LGBTQ bar uh, uh, off the corner of uh, Flamingo in Maryland. So we'll be there uh, tomorrow. Come out, have a drink, uh, uh, meet and mingle. It's there's like this whole Halloween theme, so it, we're, we're running with the, uh, the the theme. Uh, find your boo, find yourself a nice boo at the uh, at the mixer tomorrow. And then I'm also involved <laughs> with with another organization uh, we, that we just started actually. Uh, it's called the South Asian Young Professional Alliance. And again, this is a uh, a real uh, uh, organization that's going to try to uh, create some. Uh, some uh, ability now for young folks in the uh, South Asian community. Again, the target age is uh, 21 to 40 millennials to come together to uh, to to uh, to make uh, friendships, uh, to uh, to become friends, and to then to utilize those uh, those uh, those social bonds that we're creating for political and economic empowerment. So uh, there should be a meeting coming up in November, but this is something I want to put on everybody's radar that this organization is uh, is starting, and we're going to be out there. Uh, you know, uh, setting up some events, some mixers here, uh, hopefully by January, and we're also going to be underway organizing this 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 uh, this group of people here, the South Asian young uh, millennial community in uh, in the in the city of Las Vegas. So, if you're in Vegas and you're pay- and you're you fit the bill for either of those groups, uh, and you want to be involved, uh, keep an ear out and uh, keep an eye out as well for our guest Ruben De Silva. Ruben, thanks again for stopping by Bird Road. Awesome, thank you so much for having me, Q. Love, hate, Dave. What do you got? Oh, love and hate. That's a good question. What do I love this week? Um, why don't you go first while I while I collect my thoughts here? Okay, well, I'll start off with something. Uh, first of all, I had one that's a throwaway love, which is more like I love it um, just because of how over-the-top ridiculous it is. And you know what? Both of my loves this week can be filed under the love them because they're so counterproductive and stupid towards the effort that the person that created them thought they would support. Uh, the first love is this weird racist um andrew gillum phone call andrew gillum of course the (laughs) um the gubernatorial 
candidate uh, on the Democrat side who's running uh, for Florida's governor. Today, a number of people began receiving robo phone calls with crazy ass like Amos and Andy style 1930s racism (laughs) just throughout the entire thing. Um, It had it it featured a uh, racist caricature voice of Andrew Gillum. Saying that he, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't know what everybody's thinking. <laughs> I thought you right were now. about to. No, I was like, I was, I was not. tensing up over here. <laughs> I'm not gonna do an impression of it. I'm just, I'm simply not gonna dignify it with that. My impressions are things to behold, and I won't debase <laughs> them by doing that. I was actually uh, shocked when I listened to it because um, I, I, I expected, <laughs> I don't know what I expected exactly, but I didn't expect them to just launch right into it. Like I just pushed play and all of a sudden I'm hearing it. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. I thought that it would turn out that it was a, um, a prank of some kind, somebody either apolitical or sure. I kind of thought it might be like a democratic operative or somebody like, cause there's just who would do this. This is so counterproductive. There's nobody that's going to be like, ha ha fucking funny. All right. I'm voting for the other guy. <laughs> like there's nobody who's going to be like, yeah, nailed it. Fucking nailed them. Um, but no, it turns out that it was actually, it's a real on the level phone call from a white nationalist, uh, ethno nationalist, KKK style group uh, in Idaho, some sort of blog or website or something like that, whose name, first of all, I don't remember. Second of all, I'm not going to look it up just so that I can fucking give them airtime on my show, but I will laugh. Well, that goes back to what we were talking about last episode. Like, how does anything, like, change voters' minds at this point? People are so fucking divided. It's like if they're going to vote for something, they're going to vote for something. I don't understand how this – yeah, I don't understand how this changes anything. Uh, It's just insane is what it is. Completely insane. And then I'll just knock out my second quick love because it falls in the same category. These two are sort of arm in arm with each other. The okay. White House weighed in. The uh, the the administration weighed in on um, on the question of socialism today. Spoiler alert, Dave. Mm. The White House doesn't like socialism. <laughs> um, the White House's Council of Economic Advisors, which had been sort of a really I don't know I don't want to say they were apolitical because there's no such thing as that, but it had been a sort of nonpartisan group of economists and uh, you know people who didn't really who, who they, they were really just the kind of group that let the numbers speak for themselves and I think vox.com, which we don't usually cite on this show, but um, they did a pretty good explainer of how weird this paper, this paper titled the opportunity costs of socialism. Uh, how weird it was and how it's not like a, a normal research paper that you would see promulgated by this Council of Economic Advisors in the past under under previous presidents. It, it, it has a lot of like really loose citations and it, it links back to a lot of sort of Soviet era Red Scare um, literature and propaganda and, and, and things that, you know, again, they don't they don't really rely on the empirical value of data it's more about it's more like a like an essay so it was just a a weird thing that really i think only got any attention paid to it by socialists by members of by members of dsa and and other people who just found it interesting enough to like kind of laugh at it and, and and pull out some of the very 
childish, poorly designed graphs that the, the highlight from it has to be the one where they prove the the White House Council of Economic Advisors um, proves inconclusively that Medicare for all and universal health care can't work because of how much uh, a Ford Ranger pickup truck costs in Sweden. So that's <laughs> that's probably my highlight from the from the report. Uh, my so what's love, your love, Dave. Yeah, my love. Uh, uh, in this past week, while well, we we didn't have an episode up, uh, this uh, Dennis Hoff, the uh, the the brothel owner who became an assembly candidate, king. won the uh, <laughs> absolute king. <laughs> he won the primary for uh, was it assembly uh, up in Nye County here in Nevada. Um, and yeah, you hate him because you ain't him. I hate him because I ain't him. But no, he uh, he died, which, you know, rest in peace. I'm sure he's a great guy. But uh, the uh, thing that I love is that he's probably still going to win, they say. Um, because, of course, people would rather – his name's still on the ballot because they were already printed. And people would rather vote for a – as long as he's a Republican, uh, they'd rather vote for a dead pimp than a Democrat. So what what happens if he wins? Yeah, it's a good question. I I read something. I'm I'm actually I have an article right now. I'm trying to bring it up right now. There's something where one of the other uh, parts of government gets to put someone in his place. I believe if he wins that, which sounds weird, but I believe that's how it works. You know what was my favorite one of those guys? Like just like Vegas dirt bags or um, Nevada dirt bag pieces of shit. Wow. was the Larry from Larry's Villa that founded <laughs> his um that guy was a was a fucking baller dude he um he founded his own church after found, founding Larry's Villa and he's like yeah no i found i found jesus i found god and everybody was like oh well so are you closing down your your dirt bag like off-ramp strip club and he's like no no i'm not doing that of course not i just found god <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah balls right there so what do you hate this uh this week oh, i forgot even about the hate um my hate is, is a woman named virginia jenny thomas does that name mean anything to you dave no sir okay so virginia jenny thomas is very uh, her tweets are protected but her social media activity on facebook is not and it's prolific and um one of the things that you'll go through uh, one of the things that you'll see when you go through her social media posts are just a lot of real red meat grandma republican stuff like um you know i'm looking at the top of her posts right now and it's uh it's it's donald trump talking about how he's a nationalist and he uh he's supporting louis gohmert um and she's saying love this this woman Ginny thomas is posting shit like legal migration is the answer to to mob immigration and a, a judge janine Pirro show clips like a lot of you know just typical fare that you see from like a facebook grandma um but the there's some problems with Ginny thomas number one she veers a little bit further off the skids on her October 21st post where she said the media won't share this. Will they, it's an invasion and thank God for president Trump. Um, 
the original post that she's sharing says Mexican police are brutalized by members of this caravan talking about the uh, the uh, migrant caravan, the, the refugees who are moving north through California, uh, through Mexico right now to get to the United States. And there are pictures of um, three separate pictures of police officers who've been beaten very badly and are bleeding um, from their head and and uh, are injured in the streets, saying basically that all these cops have been beaten up by these terrorist thug my, uh, uh, refugees that are making their way north, right? Problem is that all those pictures are from 2012 from a completely unrelated incident. And whatever, that's just what Facebook grandmas do, right? Facebook grandmas do dumb shit and post stupid things without facts and get sometimes called out on it, but they usually just don't. They just continue doing it. Um, but here's the problem. Ginny Thomas is not just a regular old Facebook grandma. She happens to be an American attorney, the founder of Liberty Consulting, a big-time lobbyist who lobbies the federal government and and uh, various other governments on uh, conservative issues up and down the country. Um, she's a columnist for the Daily Caller, which is like a shitty, you know, a shitty right-wing rag. And she previously worked at the Heritage Foundation. All these things are like, oh, okay, so she's not just conservative Facebook grandma. She's also conservative Facebook grandma with a pretty big platform and a lot of influence, right? Yeah. She's also the wife of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. So don't, like, don't forget how deep the tendrils of this toxic conservatism and how we sort of like play it off as being cute like oh these stupid facebook grandmas that that are do, that are posting dumb shit on the internet don't doubt that it is way more fucking pernicious and way more toxic than anything that you're giving it credit to be like this is a woman who's married to she was played by um in the movie the HBO movie she was played by uh by Allison Wright uh recently in the HBO movie confirmed that recounted you know, Dave, how much will you give me to post? Because her Facebook comments are open and I have them open right here in front of me. How much would you pay me to post a comment on a picture of hers where she's at a gala? Mm -hmm. It's her like main banner picture. She's sitting next to George W. Bush and uh, they're at like a gala at a dinner table with a bunch of food and drinks and stuff laid out. How much would you give me to like, post a comment on that picture asking if there's a pubic hair on her glass. <laughs> I don't think I should have to give you anything. You should just go ahead and do it immediately. Do it. All right, I'm doing it. <laughs> Pube on that glass. Enter. Done. Well done. <laughs> so, anyway. Fucking A. Got her. Got her. Done. <laughs> what do you hate dave well um my hate for the week the only realistic hate that i've got and i this is gonna be a bit of a vague one i'm not gonna go into like details but i hate remax because they're a fucking shitty company and uh they've been making my life hell the last week oh so. i'm sorry Fuck i wouldn't them. be doing my job as a reporter if i didn't can't just drop mystery on us like that well, I'm going to. So I, I, I have a house that I rent, and they're just they're 
sh- they're just a shitty company. Let's put it that way. They're 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 trying to make my life hell. Fuck me up on every every angle. Just constant constant appointments fuck to fix things that they fuck up. Yeah, fuck it's you. Just fuck you upside down. Yeah, spread those ass cheeks apart. And fucking yeah, let's put it this way: if 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 I have trouble recording uh, the next Bird Road special election episode or whatever, it's probably going to be because of them. Well, that's not what I see that you have written here underneath your hate. What is that that you have written there on the on the show notes? I don't see anything. Oh. Got one, got one <laughs> foot out the door at any given moment. You got one fucking foot out the door, ready to go. Not even there to appreciate my great jokes where I type fuck you into the Google Doc over and over and over and over for 44 pages. Why 44 pages. Because. And all points west.